people are still doing the same bland type of press releases that are like, this is what we want. This is what we want to promote and not taking into account the other side of it. A journalist is a gatekeeper and they are deciding what is really relevant and compelling that they could share with their audience. Welcome to Reputation Revolution. This is the podcast where we help individuals like you to establish your voice in the marketplace, enhance the credibility of that voice, extend the reach of your story and your message, and finally, extract value from your efforts in building a meaningful personal brand that's both recognized and respected. Now, on with the show. G'day and thank you for hanging with us here on the Reputation Revolution Show. My name is Trevor and it's great to have your company as usual. Now to get your name out there in the public arena in a big way, you need leverage in the form of media coverage, editorial exposure. Now this can be a slow and methodical process or you can supercharge things using a press release wire distribution service to help speed things up. And to help us here understand a little bit more about what a wire service does and how it might help our publicity efforts, we're joined today by Mickey Kennedy, the founder of and CEO of eReleases. Mickey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Trevor. I've been in the PR game for a very, very long time, and I've already used the word wire services uh, because that's, (laughs) I think, what they used to be when I was using them many years back. Can you take us a bit behind the press release distribution services, are they still called wire services? And uh, just for a bit of context before we launch into the nitty gritty of how you can get your press release out there in a, in a, in a big way. Right. So uh, wire service is still used in the US. There's three wires that service the domestic market, uh, business wire, uh, PR newswire and globe newswire. Um, there are other providers of press release services out there, but a lot of them do um, syndication where you don't reach a journalist, but the press release gets replicated on um, portions of websites that are usually buried and no one visits. Um, And so it becomes a big distraction uh, when you try to go the syndication route because it really doesn't generate real traffic and real eyeballs. Um, uh, A real newswire is hoping uh, to have your press release be turned into an article where a journalist actually writes a unique article based off of the press release. And so it's original content. Um, You know, it can appear in large publications like the Wall Street Journal or New York Times or, um, you know, Washington Post, uh, as well as magazines and trade publications. But it can also as easily appear in local newspapers and smaller um, magazines and publications as well. And sometimes it's a mixture of all those things. When you have something that's really compelling and newsworthy, it gets shared in lots of different mediums. You've used two words there, compelling and newsworthy. I want to dig into those in a tick. But, um, okay, so let's even cut down a little bit deeper. So what we're talking about, um, can you sort of take us through what a wire service is then? And you've used a couple of words like syndication and you operate mainly in the US, but, um, you know, we've got a lot of listeners in Australia and the UK and they've got their own wire services as well. So right. um, can you just walk us through what is a wire service? How do people go about it? Uh, is it just for PR companies or can anyone use it? Um, just give us a bit more of a general background for someone who's probably probably maybe heard of the term but really sure. have no idea of how they work. 
Right. So e-releases, uh, we partnered with PR Newswire, and that's the wire that we use. Uh, we also have an email database um, that we send to as well. Um, but the Newswire component is PR Newswire. They're the oldest and largest Newswire in the U.S. They charge $1,000 uh, plus for sending out a 500-word press release nationally. Our customers don't pay anything near that because our customers are small businesses and entrepreneurs, and they just don't have the deep pockets that uh, larger companies have. Uh, so we allow uh, PR Newswire to service small businesses, entrepreneurs, authors, and things like that. Um, low volume customers is what the Newswire would see it. And it's people that generally are looking to spend, you know, under $1,000 a year, maybe doing two or three press releases where uh, their salespeople are uh, working with Fortune 500 uh, customers and people who are routinely spending forty, fifty thousand dollars or more a year in Newswire distributions and translations and all the bells and whistles that the Newswire offers. But what what you're saying is, you know, someone who's running a small personal brand based business uh, in the back blocks of rural America or Australia or wherever, they can get access to this technology um, right. as well. And I guess that's the great thing with, you know, the internet and the democratisation of information that, you know, small players can now play on a big stage uh, should they choose to do so and if they, they understand the tools and how to go about it. So is there a difference between, um, you know, I've always said that when we're putting out you know, a press release on the wire sort of thing. It's going into the newsrooms of radio and and TV uh, news and newspapers and magazines and that sort of thing. Uh, and then there's also the email distribution as well. So can you have the bit of a distinction between the two and, and how how um, tailored can it be when you're, when you're pitching stuff out like that? Right. So uh, the Newswire is, it used to be sort of like broadcast satellite, almost like tele, uh, teletype uh, system broadcasting. And it's changed. It used to be, uh, it migrated to going into the intranet of newsrooms. And now it's mostly delivered through the internet. A journalist has a login at the wire. Um, they can go in and customize the feeds that they look at. For example, I might be a technology uh, editor. So I want to look at the technology feeds, but I may cover certain beats. And so I can actually put keywords in to re remove certain press releases or make sure it includes certain press releases. So inclusions and exclusions. So I can really customize the feed as a journalist to ensure that the types of press releases I'm looking at are really relevant. That being said, it, it is a large volume of people and it is a little more passive. Uh, when you actually email a journalist, that you have a relationship with or who has signed up, you know, for your service, like uh, e-releases, uh, then it, it's, it's more, they know who you, where the source is coming from and they're more likely to browse. I think that the email distribution is a little bit superior to um, the newswire, but that being said, the newswire is a huge leverage opportunity. Um, we did a yeah. press release early in the pandemic that generated over 150 articles. Um, all the major wow. publications picked it up. Uh, Wall Street Journal, New York Times. Um, it generated more than $10 million in revenue. One press release, 150 wow. articles. Um, so, well, that that was, yeah. so I always challenge people. They're like, tell me what's the difference between PR and just advertising? And I'm like, find <laughs> me any ad 
that you spent under $300 on and you generated over $10 million in revenue. You, you just, it just doesn't exist. And that is the wide extreme example of what could happen if you are extremely newsworthy and extremely relevant. Uh, at the time, it was early in the pandemic, and this was a, uh, an initiative. It was called the Dining Bond Initiative set up uh, to help restaurants that were closed. And you could nominate your favorite local restaurant. And if they reached out to them and they accepted, you could make a donation. It would go directly to the restaurant and uh, they would be able to use it and be backed by a sort of like a gift certificate type system. So it was something that was actionable and positive when there was so much negative news. And I think that's yep. why it did so well. Yeah. And, and it was relevant across the board and uh, it hit a trend. It, it was part of the zeitgeist at the time. And as you say, a positive story when uh, there were so many negatives and if they could, the media could find a positive story. I know, shocking that the media would find a positive story. <laughs> then, uh, you know, that, and that, that's the wave that can happen. So, you know, it's, you, you, you might say that's luck, but you've got to make your own luck and by taking action and putting the press release out in the first place. And I guess that's the, uh, I don't want to say the word crapshoot because it should never be a crapshoot, but, you know, it's there, there is a, a, a little bit of luck involved that you're getting picked up. You, you know, you might have a good story, it just might not land on the day. Um, so nothing is guaranteed in, in, the, in the media publicity space. Uh, but when it does happen, it can happen quite big as well. So let's let's take it back a bit then. So let's just tie a bow around all this. So you're putting a press release out. You're going through a service such as e-releases to get it out there. Um, it can go on the wires that is a bit more of a fire hose of information uh, going out to journalists and they cherry pick and, um, you know, it's they're inundated in that regard and then email they're also inundated in email as we know but you can be a little bit more uh, segmented and targeted and hopefully your release hits the mark it's still quite general though so you're not going to one person i just want to make sure that we get this bit uh you're not you're not going to one person with one story uh you do that directly Right. I mean, we don't replace pitching, which is what PR firms do. Um, PR firms use us and uh, they use the newswire directly, but they also do a personal pitch. So where maybe instead of sending a press release, they tailor one message specifically for that journalist, taking into account maybe what they've written about in the past and what they seem to be drawn to. Yep. And so uh, we don't replace that. And th that's certainly a very valuable resource that PR firms do. But that being said, you know, just doing a press release by uh, itself uh, can be a huge leverage point for you. And the big thing is, I, I use the word newsworthy, but there's also the word strategic. And there are types of strategic press releases you can do that greatly enhance your likelihood of getting media pickup. And that's where I spend a lot of time trying to educate my customers to do more newsworthy, more strategic types of press releases. So unpack that a little bit more when you say strategic. So with newsworthy, it's got to be a hook. It's got to be being talked about. And, you know, you can either create the news or more likely jump in on a trend or a, another breaking news story with, a, uh, as David Mim and Scott would call it, newsjacking. But when you're talking, I would say that you'd want pretty much everything strategic, but, you know, like um, sometimes there are tactical opportunities. What, what, when you say doing a strategic press release, what, what do you mean? So um, you're going to be uh, making yourself newsworthy by, uh, for example, doing a survey or study within your industry. Uh, you're going to 
uh, create a survey on, um, let's say, a service like SurveyMonkey, uh, which gives you a link. You're going to share it with an audience. If you don't have a ready-made audience, there are so many that are just ripe for using. Uh, there's uh, independent and small trade associations will gladly send out the link to their members, uh, social media or email. Sometimes they'll do both. Uh, if you ask them and say that you'll mention them in the press release you'll be issuing over the wire, they see it as a win-win because the small and independent trade associations, which do have sizable numbers, uh, often don't get the love that the large trade associations do. Yep. So uh, it's a really great way. Uh, to, to sort of get that out there. And it's always, you know, you want to come up with questions that are very topical and relevant for right now. There's supply chain issues, there's staffing issues, there's a lot that we're still going through, there's economic uncertainty. So if you had a survey right now that uh, addressed staffing issues, that addressed um, you know, are you spending more or, or less on marketing over the next quarter? Um, you know, have you, uh, you know, dealt with any types of uh, issues, supply chain issues? How are you working to solve that, uh, you know, refining your product? So if you ask questions that are really timely and relevant for like right now, people want to know. And so um, you can build a really compelling survey. And those generally generate between eight and 14 unique articles, um, you know, earned media with one press release. And uh, I've never seen them fail. Uh, the least I've ever seen is four articles for a, uh, a survey that asks really relevant and timely questions. Yeah, it's it is a really good tactic, and and that's what that's we'd call that creating the news. You're literally creating the hook. Uh, often when you're doing the survey, well, I know when I've done them in the past that uh, you're kind of hoping for the answer, you're knowing the answer when you go into it, and and hopefully there's a bit of a you know you want a bit of a starkness there of you know seventy percent of people are thinking this and um, that side of things. But what about? I mean, I know when I used to them quite a bit, but we'd use, you know, things like NewsPoll, which were quite big, and the, the results of the the um, research were robust in terms of, you know, you could then go out and say that, you know, 40% of people in Melbourne and Sydney think this because you've you've reached enough people. Um, you can't have your, you can't have a small sample, I'm talking about sample sizes now, you can't have super small sample size. Does that that doesn't really cut it. Do you still need a robust sample size, or is that, you know, that whole arena changed a little bit now? And, and it has changed considerably. Yeah. I think that generally, if uh, it's a small uh, audience, then having as little as two hundred respondents is yep. fine. Uh, if it's a larger audience, you know, certainly having more. Um, is better. Most of my clients that partner with a trade association usually get between 400 and 600 responses. Okay. Uh, the most I've seen is around 2,700 responses uh, partnering wow. with a smaller independent trade association. And all of them have done equally well. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it is one of those things that I think that sometimes the results that you get and, you know, the analysis that you provide why a certain question might have been answered a certain way by having a quote in the press release that's really relevant can make a, a press uh, a survey that maybe isn't very statistically relevant yep. really you know have a story that a journalist would still want to share and get out there. That's fantastic. I love that. That's there's there's some gold right there because this is really a smart way to get media. It always has been, but it has been 
you know, you needed a bit of deep pockets to get that robust consumer survey. But as you're saying now, you're going maybe for smaller audiences, more niche audiences, um, trade, you know, leveraging um, the audience or the members of a trade organisation is a great way to do that. And yes, the answers you get, are, you know, hopefully there's um, not shock value, but there's oh, there's a there's a little bit of a hook in the answers that you get and the results of the survey. But the key is the analysis, and that's where experts and thought leaders come into play, where you can help analyse uh, why people are thinking a certain way and turn that into the hook. And that's that's great because as we know. Uh, Mickey, you know, a lot of businesses love themselves and they love their products and services. And I'm sure you've probably seen a lot of press releases with uh, businesses just promoting themselves when that's not, unless you've got just the best, most interesting, weirdest product of all time um, that's really struck a chord, really that's not what the media want. They want some, you know, some interesting hooks and ideas and conversation points. Um how many people are people still just banging on about their products and services? Yes. People are still doing the same bland type of press releases that are like, this is what we want. This is what we want to promote and not taking <laughs> into account the other side of it. A journalist is a gatekeeper and they are deciding what is really relevant and compelling that they could share with their audience. And if you just reverse engineer that and say, I'm launching this product and that's important to yep. me because I want to sell a lot, but how could I, you know, how could I have this launch be structured in a way that would be really compelling and that uh, an audience would want to hear about it. It might involve bringing case studies into the actual press release and talking about where uh, a beta version of this was tested and these were the results that you got because that's real life sort of uh, usage there that uh, an audience might identify with. And so you, you really have to it, you really have to tweak a little bit what what your goal is so that you're also servicing the goal yeah, of the Good journals. point, good point there. And the other way of doing it, of course, is if there's a, and this is more the opportunistic thing, it still can be strategic, but the, you've got to be on your game and be ready to rock and roll. But when something blows up like a big issue or, a, you know, something happens and nothing's speaking to mind when I say that, but there's a big, big news story. Um, it could be a takeover. It could be a takeover in business circles and you're in that industry and you've got to comment on it. Um, you can jump in and get the, get the story out really quickly. And I guess that's where um, press release distribution services are great because they can get it out instantly. The moment you press that button, it goes out to, you know, potentially hundreds if not thousands of, of uh, journalists and researchers and producers. Um, which is terrific uh, and scary in equal measure. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you really need to be across, um, you know, a breaking news story, get the press release done, get it done well, get your hook that's strong and get it out there. Have you seen that sort of thing work? Um, does that still work um, in your eyes? It does, but it, it, is, it is very hard to make it work as a, a strategy, an ongoing strategy, because if you're at the front of something that's timely and you get out there, you probably will get some pickup. But, you know, uh, newsjacking is one of these things where everybody sort of piles on and just adds to the same fire hose of information that's out there. So it's very hard to stand out. And the likelihood of one person getting any major coverage is going to be extremely low. That being said, 
there are opportunities for people if there's a, a something that's really trended in your industry and people are really still talking about it. Uh, if you have a contrarian viewpoint that uh, you stand a much higher chance of getting media pickup because a journalist by definition wants to be fair sided and objective and they want to cover both sides. But on many hot button issues, they're only covering one side and it's only because there's no one out there putting their, their hand up saying, I've got a different viewpoint and uh, you know, here's what I have to say. I tell people that if, if you can uh, uh, deal with a, a topic that's really timely in a contrarian way that doesn't alienate your customer base, that's a huge opportunity. Uh, you want to come across as the friendly jerk, you know, uh, but you want to also be rational. And, you know, for example, there's so much environmental stuff, everybody going green, you know, we shall go electric cars. But if you were a contrarian saying, hey, not so fast, the uh, mining for these minerals that make up batteries is very uh, environmentally hazardous. Uh, the labor conditions is, is terrible. And we haven't decided what we're going to do with all these batteries at the end of their life. Mm -hmm. Are we just creating another uh, landfill problem down the road? And that's a way in which whenever anyone does cover environmental and pro electric car type things, they might insert you just to have a, a contrarian viewpoint, a sort of a, a con uh, that's out there. And I think that that works better than just going along. Yeah, with really good point, Mickey. And, and I think the thing there too is just because you're contrarian, it doesn't mean you're being controversial as well. It could be controversial, but, you know, as we know, controversy works, but, you know, there's no point being controversial for uh, controversy's sake. But, yeah, being contrarian or having a different point of view, which sets up a bit of drama as well, um, and journalists like a bit of toing and froing and a bit of drama as well. So that that can work as well. And, and yet you're right about the newsjacking um, thing, and, um, you know, that's a more recent term, but it's been going on for many years. It's just that now that it breaks and it breaks quickly, and, and, and you've now got more tools to be able to uh, insert yourself into the uh, a bigger news conversation. But you've, it is opportunistic. You've got to be on your game and ready to move really, really quickly. And those that move quickly can do it well, but those that move quickly who already have a name, <laughs> um, they're probably going to be at the top of the pile. So it's a, it's, it, it can be a good strategy, but it's a, it's a tough game to play and it will depend on your industry, as, as you said. So let's then dig into what makes a good press release. Um, I've run PR agencies. I've read a million press releases over the journey. I've written probably two million, and that's exaggerating, but I've written a lot. Um, but I come from a news background, so I kind of knew, you know, how to write that. A lot of people struggle with it because, again, that you need to understand the hook and the news at the, at the top end because you only get one shot at it and you get a headline and about one paragraph in and then if you can't tell that story and that or hook the hook the reader who's the journalist or the uh, the producer in that time uh they probably won't go too much deeper what's if you got research to say how deep they go uh into a press release and what, what in your eyes makes a, a good press release what are some ideas and tips and hints uh you can give people Right. So I think that a really good solid press release is probably 400 to 500 words. If it's much longer, it might be too wordy. If it's too short, it, you may not be giving them enough information. That being said, I, you know, you can also have a short 
press release, if you link to your website and other resources that you have. It's just a matter of, are you arming the journalists with enough information that if they wanted to build out a larger story that they could, they will reach out to you and ask questions sometimes, but journalists are also under deadline and some of them are shy English majors and they'd rather just go with a story where everything is there and they don't have to reach out and do, uh, you know, uh, connecting with you and, and asking lots of questions. So I, I say try to provide as much information as you can. Uh, a press release is, is factual. It's not really high or elevated writing. If you are looking to be creative, the quote is a really great place to be creative because a lot of times I've seen people preserved in an article because the quote was so compelling that a managing editor wouldn't cut them out. Would, you know, and if you are a small company and you're mentioned in a story, a journalist may, a managing editor or, or a supervisor or somebody might cut you out just because they're like, I've never heard of this company. Why bother mentioning them? But if it's a really compelling quote, that person is going to say, oh, I understand why they're here. If we took that quote out of the article, there would be a loss. And so that creative energy, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, being very active or just creative or just saying something in a way that just rolls off uh, your tongue and onto the, uh, the written page in a way that's compelling uh, can really, you know, make a huge difference to someone. Uh, you know, press releases buying in themselves are not, you know, high high art or, you know, great writing, uh, but you do want to provide the resources and tools for a journalist to be able to build that story. And for the reasons that we've mentioned about the competition of press releases, your headline is yep. the most important part of your press release. And I see people often use puns and they're writing the headlines as if it's a, a consumer reading it. And you're doing yourself a disservice because a busy journalist won't click through to see if the story is relevant if it's just a quirky or pun uh, headline, they're looking for facts and they will write or someone else at the at the publication will write the puns and you're going to stick to the facts and try to really anchor the story and why your announcement. Yeah, yeah headlines, that's spend a lot of time crafting the headline because it's so important and uh, is it telling the story and will it grab the journalist? And I think, you know, there there is the uh, tendency, not tendency, but you know, some people think, oh, if I get creative, it will stand out. And, hey, you might get lucky, but sometimes being creative in your mind is not creative in the journalist's mind, and it's, it's too cute. You don't want to be too cute. And um, you've got a way up between often a, a headline that might be a little more bland but will um, be hard-hitting versus one that's a bit too cute. The first sentence, too, of course, needs to almost... Uh, uh, tell the story and, you know, you get the old journalism maxim of who, what, when, where, how and that side of things. Is, is that still still current or am I living in the past? <laughs> it's probably even more relevant today because people are so busy and they're just active skimmers. I wouldn't even say journalists are readers anymore. They're skimming. And so you want to have like the inverted pyramid, your most important elements right there at the beginning. And, and you just sort of winnow down until you just provide background information that's less relevant yeah. later. There was, the a, there was a period of time where people, it was more in the earlier days of social media. And I remember the social media press release, it was deconstructed. And it wasn't, a, you know, a beautiful story written in four or 500 words, but it was really the headline and a, and a couple of intro paras and then bullet points and quotes. 
that sort of thing. So it was it was deconstructed enough. It was constructed enough that the journalist or the editor could understand the flow of the story, but it was deconstructed enough that they could just grab the bits that they want and create their own story. What's the, there's probably a bit of tension there because some press releases are written. They're written like the article itself, but it's really if, if you're going to get a you know let's face it a, a time poor or lazy journalist who's just going to put the whole thing in that is fantastic, but it doesn't always happen that way. But a lot of times a journalist will want to add you into another story or write the story. Which do you recommend? You do the, the the article that could almost stand alone, or the more deconstructed one, which gives you the bones of the story um, and that they can easily. Um, write a story around because it's hard to pull apart a press release and rewrite it. Right. So I, I would go with the deconstructed route. Um, the larger publications and the most important ones and a lot of trade publications will insist that everything that appears in their publication yes. is their copyright. And because the content you're providing as a written article, it might be replicated by several people it gets into a, a space that they're not comfortable with. Um, and there's the idea of licensing content and stuff like that. So I, I say that, and what I found is that the people that generally work with these feature articles that are already written is mostly your smaller uh, daily newspapers and publications like that, which is still a good audience, but uh, they like the ready-made articles because it's less work and effort for them. And I find that the larger and most important publications are less yep, likely yep. to use those. And so I'll, I'll just deconstruct the deconstruction a bit for those people who have never written a press release before. But it's it's really, uh, rather than write a, a fully blown story that reads well and that whole, you know, that could insert straight into a newspaper, for example, it's it's the headline and the, the you know, the all important opening paragraphs and then, you know, quotes and, and bullet points and facts and uh, links to other resources. And, and well, what's the thing about videos these days, adding video? I know I've done it in the past and uh, they've been picked up. I think the quality has to be a bit better today than maybe what it used to. But, you know, they, you know video, but even, you know, some, um, you know, some smartphone video can still work uh, because a lot of the online publications, they're not printing in, in a newspaper or magazine hard copy anymore. They're doing it online and they want, you know, pictures and uh, images and videos. Right. Where does video sit and right. are you seeing an uptake of video uh, as well? And if so, what's the, uh, any rules around it? So I'm not seeing a lot of video uptick usage. Uh, I am seeing a lot of images. So a lot of your online publications, if they're choosing to write an article where there's no images provided, and, uh, and, and that means that if they are going to incorporate images, they'll have to use their own uh, database of clip art or something else, or it's an article or a press release that has um, images, photos, things like that, they're much likely to, more likely to use the one yep. with photos. I also find that candid photos work better than very super professional ones. Um, the ones that, uh, for example, might show your product real use uh, by a, a real consumer works better than having a paid actor or actress where it does have the appearance of being like perhaps clip art almost. And so I think that that works really well. I, um, I do think the video is where we're headed. Um, I don't think we're there yet. 
But I, I do think that within the next five to seven years, we're going to see a bigger trend where having video collateral will probably be a much more meaningful uh, uh, benefit to your press release. Because I think that right now um, we are migrating to a point where a lot of the news is going to be video, even if it's online. And I think that uh, having B-roll and video that can be used to tell your story uh, is, is going to be meaningful. And so I, I, I believe it's, it's going to be coming, but I just haven't seen it being used yet. I have had some clients that have professional B-roll and stuff, and I don't see them getting an edge currently uh, yeah, by having yeah. that. I mean, they, and they're also, you know, if you're doing stuff specifically for t TV, there are uh, video distribution services, aren't they? The um, broadcast um, press release distribution services uh, made specifically for TV. And again, that's deconstructed, so you don't want to do a beautiful presentation, but B-roll, as you said, which is just the, the field footage that uh, they can then construct their own story, which is which is important. So again, you've got to have the, the hook and the, the news story, but then you also need to uh, give them enough meat to be able to have a bit of scope there. We, we touched on at the start that using a Y service, uh, well, Y services, dist email distribution, or a combination thereof can help you reach a really big audience. So you can go, we've talked about the big names, um, but can we just go backtrack a little bit? So you can go, and this is probably pretty much in every country now, you can go the mainstream names, the big you know newspaper titles, the national titles, the big metro titles uh, with newspapers. Um, so a lot of magazines will take the, the services as well and local press and just uh, add any more that we we can. Uh, uh, TV news, radio news, but also regional radio, country radio, is that they're all part of the system because, you know, they're, they're a lot of, as we know, a lot of uh, newsrooms now are struggling with, uh, you know, you've got less people doing more work, um, so they, they, need, they need the help. And people might be surprised that, a lot of the information comes to journalists. Journalists don't go out and chase stuff anymore. Um, you know, they haven't got the time. They, they they just they need to sift through. As you said, they're skimmers. Um, they need to sift through. Um, how how broad can people now go, and how sharp can they now go in their targeting using email distribution or, or a wire service? Right. So with the the newswire, you can target locally, so you're saturating the local media. Um, you can also, of course, do the national distribution and saturate locally. And uh, it, what happens is there are certain people in a local market that are predominantly only looking at local news. So uh, they, by saturating to them, you're reaching them. That works really well in your market. Um, maybe where you're located uh, to do the local saturation. And then you have the industries, uh, you know, that which might be trade publications, might be blogs, might be particular journalists yep. at newspapers. So um, you know, all, all, of the, all of these things are included. And it, it, is, it is part of a, you know, a, a dance of trying to figure out, you know, who you're going to target and focus. And uh, sometimes people yep. go for broad, uh, when they really should be going for narrow and being very focused. Um, I, I had a client once that had a product uh, that they were convinced that it was relevant to everybody. So they wrote a general press release. They sent it out to a really broad audience and nothing happened. And I went back to them and said, 
I really think you should target the golf market. I think this product is really geared for them and would do really well. And he said, yeah, but there's less than 30 golf publications. And I said, well, we just sent the press release to 20,000 people and none of them ran it. What if a few of these uh, small uh, golf publications ran it? We sent it out and seven golf publications picked it up. They, they sold out <laughs> of the product uh, just with the, the, the seven uh, publications. So, yeah, it, it's often not quantity. It's, it's the quality. Yeah. The and, and so that's, that's the dance you've got to play is that, and again, we mentioned earlier in the interview that, you know, you can go one by one by one, which is, you know, rifle shot. Um, email is a bit more, um, you could say shotgun, but then you can have a shotgun that's really aimed as well. Um, and so, you you know, whether it is through golf or, you know, I, I guess there's broad news generally, then there's sort of business news, tech news, big category news, um, sport, and then there's more industry, uh, you know, the major industries as well. So, um, you know, there is a bit to play with in terms of tightening up and tightening up. And the tighter you go, the tighter you can be with your press release, the more relevant you're going to be to the audience and the greater the chance of cutting through. I mean, that's that's kind of like uh, the, the rule of thumb. You, you mentioned earlier about local news. Um, you know, if it's local within a region uh, or a state, you need, you know, obviously to be able to highlight your local news angle as well. So, there is a little bit to think about, isn't there, when it comes to comes to doing this? Um, what, are there any sort of examples of, I guess, authors doing it, or you know, solopreneurs who have uh, come up with a you know a great angle and and pitched it out, and it's kind of taken, or not not necessarily gone, you know, massive, but as you said, I like you know the golf one is is a great example of. You know, you, you go out to 30 titles, you get seven and you sell out of your product. But, you know, people who have got a, a more advisory or consultants or authors or thought leaders, anything spring in mind there? Right. Yeah. So we have uh, an author who's done really well, um, self-published. Uh, she's, uh, I think, now done about 10 titles and she's built a community and PR is part of her effort and she does get uh, pick up. And I think that the fact that she has built her own social community in tangent with doing PR has been really effective for her. It sort of feeds off of each other. Um, we often will work with lots of people who uh, are just doing something that's newsworthy as an entrepreneur and they do get picked up. Uh, journalists like to be seen as curators. They like to find little hidden discoverable companies and, and businesses, and they prefer that than profiling a large company. Microsoft can afford to advertise uh, its products and services, so they're less likely to uh, you know, promote Microsoft, but they would be much more willing to perhaps uh, focus or spotlight on a smaller company with their offering and how they're differentiated yep, in the yep. marketplace. And, and again, there's the, the more product-based stuff and then there's the more um, commentary, media commentary side as well. So again, there's subsets within subsets. Um, and, and the last thing I wanted to uh, talk about, um, Mickey, is the, the costs involved. What sort of costs are involved uh, Obviously, the more you go out and the broader the reach, the more expensive and, ironically, maybe the less chance of getting picked up. Um, uh, so there's a little bit of irony there. But, uh, what, what, you know, what, what's the score there? Because it's not as if you're putting them out every day either. Um, you know, you might 
Right. So I, we, uh, we offer, uh, we offer, uh, we offer a new customer special that's 269 US dollars for one press release. And you're able to later upgrade to a package of those. So it's, it's pretty affordable. You can do three releases for under a thousand dollars. I do tell anybody who's considering press releases to try to commit to a proper PR campaign of six to eight releases. Uh, you know, whether you're going to do it in six months or take 18 months to do it, it doesn't matter, but do try to do varied different approaches and see if one of them might not work very well for you. And, you know, uh, I have a free masterclass that I put together for my customers that I'll make available for your audience as well. If they want to take an audit and determine what strategic newsworthy types of press releases they could be doing about their business or even themselves, if they're an author or uh, a professional and it's available at ereleases.com forward slash plan P L A N completely free, less than an hour. Uh, but it walks through like the survey, the study, uh, being a contrarian, lots of different actionable things that you can do that stands a much higher threshold of terrific i'll put that in the show notes what's the uh, what's the url again it's ereleases.com forward slash fantastic and and that's that's kind of like a masterclass on on uh, getting the most out of out of the the distribution services. I did have one actually other question um, around SEO. Uh, there was a period of time I thought that you know SEO uh, came into play on the wire services, and then of course, as people do, they just flood with crap that uh, just for SEO purposes. And uh, I thought at the time that Google had sort of jumped on that. Uh, and it doesn't play a role now, but I still see it being pushed out there that there's SEO benefits. So can you just clear that bit up? Is there SEO benefit in being in the wire? So it it used to be that if you syndicated a press release and it went on, your press release was replicated on 300 websites, it would convey some SEO benefit. And that just doesn't happen any longer. Uh, what, What does happen is if you get unique articles that talk about you and or link to you, you will get SEO benefit because that's an original article. It's unique content, but there's no way to just get, you know, pay and get placement. It it really is uh, that you have to achieve something where a journalist wrote about you and linked to you in order to get uh, that SEO benefit. But that being said, I I have worked with SEO professionals uh, using PR and it's worked extremely well for their clients uh, by by getting the uh, links. Uh, we did one for uh, a local auto repair shop in Pennsylvania, and we did a survey, and we asked the question, "What's the strangest thing a customer left in their car while being repaired?" And we uh, partnered with a uh, independent trade association. They sent it to their um, uh, members of other auto repair shops, and that question did so well. It got several newspapers, uh, lots of trade publications. I think over 10 auto trade publications picked it up and they linked back to the page that they had. And and that's a great way uh, to ensure that they link to you because you'll have a page with all of your responses. You may only cover three of the most interesting questions or what you felt were the three most interesting questions in the press release, but you may have asked 20 or 30 questions and you will have a page where you have all the results available where journalists can build their own story. And often they'll link to that page because it's just chock full of information. Yeah, fantastic. Good to raise that because, um, you know, there is a marrying of uh, SEO and well, through editorial 
and and uh, media publicity. In fact, uh, you know, one of the big trends in in the UK is that uh, PR firms are starting or buying SEO firms because um, their PR people are probably the best place to earn backlinks uh, through genuine stories, and uh, that, that that's a it's good to touch on on that trend. And uh, the other thing I'll just in in sort of uh, summarising is that. You know, these are things that people can do themselves. Now, I come from a PR agency background and, um, yes, you can employ PR people, professionals and media publicists publicists to do it for you, but this is not beyond the realms if you want to put the effort in and the time uh, to do it as well and to learn, you know, to take your masterclass, Mickey, to, to learn how to do a press release, how to find the news. Uh, I've found that some of the, the best uh, people for who are the best PR people <laughs> actually have never studied it, but they just inherently understand what makes a good story and they can pull it together. So it is something that you've got to put a bit of time into, uh, which is which is great. So um, in, in summary, you know, this is a tool, um, email distribution of press releases or the wire services uh, to supercharge your media publicity efforts and to try and generate editorial exposure on a bigger scale. Um, there are lots of variations within, whether you go mass or, or you target more industry by industry or local. Um, it doesn't need to break the bank by any means, so have a look around. Uh, E-releases is big in, in the US. And, um, and of course, you've got Mickey's uh, masterclass to check that out. I'll put, the, put that in the show notes. So, uh, Mickey, great to uh, chat all things press releases. So I can say that, you know, you've seen those headlines, the press release is dead, but I think I know uh, your view on that. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks for having me. Okay. Cheers. Thanks very much. Okay. The reputation economy is here. The world today needs more genuine, credible experts and leaders to stand up and share their experience, their wisdom, their stories and ideas. Are you in? 